Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. To start out today's episode, for the third week here, you will be listening to what I shared live this past Sunday night for the third week of Advent from my book, Hope for the Future, An Advent Journey for Bereaved Parents. And like the title of this episode says, we're going to be talking about joy. So here it is. Once again, we are reading Sunday's entry from the book, Hope for the Future, an Advent Journey for Bereaved Parents. You can see that we have our hope candle lit from two weeks ago, and we have our peace candle lit from last week. And this week, we're going to talk about joy. And I'm going to be just really, really honest with you guys. We got some rough stuff going on. I mean, it's, we've let everybody know we're staying home this year because of just our kids are going through a lot. We've got grandkids going through some things and we just felt led to stay here at home this year, which is why we're in this apartment townhouse instead of the Hope Mobile. And, you know, things are rough. And so I'm not going to pretend like I've got this awesome joy going on right now. I mean, there is a peace within the pain. There is a contentment of knowing that Dave and I are where we're supposed to be. But, you know, it's still a struggle to have the joy. It's still a struggle to fight for the joy. And so I just wanted to be upfront and honest with you guys before I even start reading tonight about joy that, you know, it's not something that it's like I've got it all together and yeah, I've, I've got joy <laughs> all the time. So, you know, it comes and goes in seasons a lot of times. And right now, not just because it's Christmas without Becca, but right now this is just a season where, you know, joy is coming and going in my life too. So with that, let's go ahead and see what tonight has to say. I am not about to tell you that losing your child will turn into something joyous in your life, but I will tell you it is possible to have joy again in your life beyond the grief. My joy is different now than it used to be. How is that possible? There isn't more than one kind of joy, is there? No, I don't believe there is. I believe what has happened to me is that my joy is more of a solid undercurrent in my life now. It is built into the foundation and the very fiber of my being. It has become a rock on which I am anchored. And I just want to pause here and say, you know, based on what I just shared about personally, some of the struggles of just hanging on to the joy, I will say, you know, this undercurrent and the the foundation and feeling like it's just a a very part of my being now that's still true i don't have to fight as hard for it 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 doesn't take as long to just kind of feel that hope and contentment again and that just joy and thankfulness of what i have in my life what god's doing in my life and so even when i struggle with joy 
it, there's still that undercurrent there and it's it's still it's easier for me to tap into and feel that joy and i know a lot of people talk about joy and happiness and that happiness is emotions and feelings and joy is is isn't all that but you look at how often in the old testament god talks about rejoice and joy and how you know they rejoice with joy joy can come with happiness just because there's a happiness there doesn't mean it's not joy and so i think a lot of times the two really are intertwined and i think as christians it's easy for us to say well you know god doesn't want us to be happy he just wants us to follow him or obey him or whatever but i do think there is a, a happiness that's the joyful kind of happiness that he does want us to have and it's not always based on a feeling but i do think that joy does come with happiness a lot <laughs> and i think that's scriptural so let me get back to reading now true joy is not based on an outward circumstance which can go away if those circumstances change nor is that some euphoric happiness it is based on a constant inner knowing of truth beyond the outward circumstances it is an undercurrent of contentment confidence and that seed of hope that has been planted and is now growing and bearing fruit in my life you know, and just based on what I just said, that undercurrent of contentment, confidence, and the seed of hope, sometimes you're going to feel that as happiness. And sometimes it's there kind of by faith. So let's go ahead and light our candle. It represents joy. And that's going to be the yellow candle. God has graciously given us many keys to unlock doors of truth that will help us while here on earth. Sometimes those keys seem to be handed to us, and other times it seems we need to look for them on our hands and knees in the dark. The death of our child seems to be one of those times of searching for keys in the darkness of a moonless night. However, the Holy Spirit has given us a clue to at least one of the keys to unlock and release joy back into our lives. That key is choosing to be thankful. Now, don't go tuning me out, not yet. Whatever we focus on will consume us. So if my thoughts and focus remain on my loss, the torment and pain of it will consume me. If my thoughts and focus are on the blessings I still have, thankfulness will begin to awaken a joy that has gone dormant in me. Once again, this is something we choose to do, not based on our emotions or how we feel, but based on the truth of who God is. You know, fighting for that joy is a choice that we have to make. It is not impossible, no matter where you are in this grief journey. Start with the smallest of things. Those who've never lost a child will tell us to start with thanking God that we are breathing or that we woke up that day. And in the early days and months, that is not something that most of us are thankful for because we don't want to be here on this earth anymore. We don't want to be breathing. We don't want to be waking up, right? We just want to go to sleep and be in heaven with our child, wake up there. But that does not mean there's not anything to be thankful for. What about the fact that you have a bed to sleep in? You probably own a phone 
that allows you to connect with people when you want and need to, and you can turn it off when you don't want to connect with people. Who helped you plan the funeral in all of your numbness and pain? Did anyone bring you and your family food when you didn't have it in you to cook? Do you have a pet that's keeping you company? How about a TV that you can sit in front of and zone out when you can't sleep? Did you remember where you parked your car coming out of the store the last time you went? The things we bereavers can find to be thankful for may be a strange list to everyone else, and that's okay. If you do it consciously and consistently, you will find a spark of hope igniting. Keep going and it will turn into light and life. Even if you don't feel it, you can speak your words of thanks to a God who made sure this was not the end, but just a transfer into the beginning of something so wonderful, it cannot be fully described. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 56 through 58 in the message translation says, but let me tell you something wonderful, a mystery I'll probably never fully understand. In the resurrection scheme of things, this has to happen. Everything perishable taken off the shelves and replaced by the imperishable. This mortal replaced by the immortal. Then the saying will come true. Death swallowed by triumphant life. Who got the last word, O oh death? O oh death, who's afraid of you now? It was sin that made death so frightening. The law code guilt that gave sin its leverage, its destructive power. But now in a single victorious stroke of life, all three, sin, guilt, and death are gone. The gift of our master, Jesus Christ. Thank God. That gift is really something to be thankful for. There's a prayer in the book, and I'm just going to go ahead and pray this over you right now as we close this out. Jesus, thank you that this is not permanent and that you really do have the final word over death. Help us to understand how powerful our thoughts are and to find things to be thankful for, knowing we need this key to unlock ourselves from the claims of death that are holding us tightly bound in darkness. And I pray this in the name of Jesus over all of those who are watching right now and those who will watch later. Amen. Joy is one of the things that seems to elude us for quite some time after the death of our child. But I want to encourage you that it is not gone for the rest of your time here without your child, at least not if you don't want it to be. And like I already shared in this recording that you just listened to, I've had to fight hard to have joy back in my life, but I do have it again for the most part. And it's very deep and it's very rich now. I do want to turn a corner. It might seem like we're turning a corner right now, but I do think it goes along with this topic of joy. Now, I know some of us have had a hard life with all kinds of difficult circumstances. We haven't just had to fight for joy after the death of our child, but it can feel like we've struggled with it for most of our lives. And then the death of our child has made it even more difficult. 
Now, there is someone I want to talk about who had a very difficult life, starting from the time that she found out she was going to have her first child. Just so you know, before I share who we're going to talk about, I do my best to try to read each day's entry to the Reflections of Hope book so that I know what other perievers are reading for the day I'm reflecting on, and I can send up a prayer for you based on that. Now, what I'm going to share right now was this past reading. When I read that, it just really struck me again. Even though I wrote it and I've done an entire podcast episode on it a few years ago, it just, the reality of this just really hit me again. And so I felt like it was worth sharing with all of you because of how much we can probably relate to it. Now, the person that I referred to is Mary, Jesus's mother. Now, honestly, I did not think there would be very much to learn from Mary, the mother of Jesus, when it came to the death of her son. But as I started studying this out, I became more and more amazed at how much really is in the word that we can learn from her as perievers. One of the biggest things is that Mary completely surrendered to the Lord's plans for her life, not knowing what that meant and how painful her future was going to be. In Luke chapter 1, verse 38, we find her telling the angel Gabriel, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Now, I am sure that Mary had no idea that her son was going to die a very brutal death at the age of 33 and that she would be there to watch it. I used to think, well, at least Jesus rose from the dead and came back to life here on this earth. I mean, Mary got Jesus back. I didn't have that. I don't have that with Becca. But as I was studying this out, I realized that Mary really did lose him permanently from this earth because he was only here for 40 days after he rose from the dead. Then he went to heaven. So he was gone. He was not here anymore. Now, I want to back up a little bit, and I want to really think through some of the difficulties that Mary had. And like I said, it started when she found out she was pregnant. Now, before we go into some of those details, I want to think about the fact that Mary didn't have an easy life. And it was all because God gave her Jesus as her son. I mean, that's a crazy thought. The whole reason Mary had a difficult life was because of her child that God gave her and blessed her with. Now, Mary found herself as a young pregnant woman with no husband, which back then left her at the mercy of being stoned to death. I mean, that's a scary thought, isn't it? Now, when she was, the Bible calls it, heavy with child or fully pregnant, she was forced by law to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem, which was around an 80 to 90 mile journey of hills. And transportation at that time was not what it is today. I know a lot of pictures we see Mary riding a donkey. The Bible doesn't say that. That's kind of an assumption as a, as a poor young couple. They may have had money for a donkey. That would have been, you know, kind of an inexpensive form of transportation. It's hard to think that Mary would have walked 80 to 90 miles being fully pregnant. 
So it's just kind of a guess that she probably rode a donkey on the way there. The city was so crowded, we already know, that there were not any hotel rooms available. And someone out of kindness, because of Mary's condition, offered his barn out back. I don't have any room at the hotel, but I do have a barn out back if you want to sleep in the barn with the animals. And that's where she gave birth to her very first child. And I think if it were me, I would probably have been close to being terrified. My first baby, I don't know what to expect. Here's one of my questions. Was Joseph able to find a midwife quick enough in town? I mean, he didn't know anybody so that at least one person knew what to do. Joseph sure wasn't going to know how to deliver a baby, right? How did all that come about? Did she just have the baby and Joseph just did what he could to help? I mean, I that's just crazy to me in a barn of all places. Now think about this. If Bethlehem is where Joseph had to go for the census, it meant that all of his family had to go to Bethlehem for the census because it was based on your families. So where were they in all of this? Didn't they caravan together? Apparently not. Didn't they offer one of their rooms to Joseph and his pregnant, engaged wife? They weren't married yet. Why didn't the family make sure he and Mary were taken care of? Could it be that the young couple was ostracized because of her becoming pregnant out of wedlock? And instead of Joseph having her stoned, because if he wasn't the father, how could you stay with this woman and marry her? She should be stoned, right? Because she cheated on you before you were even married. She cheated on you. She's not even having your baby. So the family could have just turned their backs on Joseph being upset that he married her anyway to raise this illegitimate child that wasn't even his. And back then, I think it was probably a really, you know, a bad stigma on the family, a blot on the family, the entire family, that something like that would happen. Because when you think about it, where was Joseph's family in all of this? It seems that the first visitors that came to see Mary and this new little baby, her first little child, were smelly shepherds. It wasn't her mom. It wasn't a sibling. It wasn't someone we think of as the normal first visitors, especially when it's our first child. All the excitement of the family and they're all coming to see you. None of that. It was just some shepherds that came by. Her husband, Joseph, we're going to go a few years into this. Her husband, Joseph, apparently died at some point before Jesus's ministry, because Joseph is not included in any scriptures at all beyond where Jesus was 12 and he was missing and they went back to find him in the temple. The next time we see Jesus with his family, after that time he was 12, it was only with his mother and his siblings at the wedding of Cana where he turned the water into wine. It doesn't say anything about his dad, Joseph, being there, his earthly father. Based on Matthew 13, 55 and Mark chapter 6, verse 3, Jesus had at least six siblings. Imagine being a widow with seven children. That was Mary's life. Beyond that, John chapter 7, verses 3 through 5, tells us that his brothers were not even believers in who he was as the promised Messiah. At one point, 
They even went to go drag Jesus away from where he was because they thought he had literally lost his mind. You can read that in Mark chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. And that must have been so hard for Mary. I can't even imagine because that means her own children did not believe her story about the angel coming to her and being a virgin when Jesus was conceived in her by the Holy Spirit. I mean, you think about how much your heart hurts when your children are at odds with each other. But in this situation, they were not just at odds with Jesus. They didn't believe who he was, which means they thought their mom was lying about the whole thing. I mean, that would really hurt. And now, after such a hard life, all of these things, because of her firstborn son that God gave her and blessed her with, she finds herself standing at an execution stake watching that son being torturously executed for a crime he did not commit. And we need to remind ourselves here that she had no idea that Jesus was going to rise from the dead three days later. Because when he tried to tell his followers this, no one got it. And like I already said, yes, he came back. But then 40 days later, he was gone for the rest of her time here on earth. So here's my question. Have you had a hard life? Maybe, like Mary, much of it was because of your child who died. There were things going on in their lives that made life for you very difficult. And the thing that resonates with me is that God gave Jesus to Mary knowing the heartache she was going to have, both with his life and with his death. Remember, the word that it was either Anna or Simeon spoke over her when they took Jesus to the temple to be dedicated, that a sword will pierce your heart. We each have an appointed time to die. Our days here on earth are numbered. And God knew those days when he placed your child in your womb or when you adopted him or her. But he chose you to nurture that child and be his or her parent for those number of days. He knew the sorrow and the heartache that your child would give you while he or she was alive. He also knew how much joy your child would give you and the deep love you would have for him or her. Would you rather he chose someone else for your child and left you never knowing that precious son or daughter so that you wouldn't have to go through this pain now? I don't think Mary would have thought that, and I really don't think you do either. So we can take a minute and thank God for giving us the gift of our child's life, even though it means going through the pain that we have had to endure. Father, thank you for the life of our child, whether our child didn't even take a breath outside the womb or our child was young our child was a young adult or had reached a, a full age. Lord, it hurts not to have our child here, but thank you for the life that our child had. Thank you for blessing us with our child. And Lord, as much as it hurts, we would rather have had our child for the time that we did and the love and the joy they brought than to never have had them at all. And thank you, Lord, for this example of Mary, 
who had such a hard life because of her firstborn child. And you knew all of that when you gave Jesus to Mary. You knew all the hurt that would come our way when you blessed us with our children. And Lord, even though we don't understand why our child's days were numbered so short, so much less than ours, we just thank you for the gift of our child and the time we had them. Amen. So I want to close out this section by repeating one of the first things I said with the recording that you heard from Sunday night's reading, which is that I'm not about to tell you that losing your child will turn into something joyous in your life. But I will tell you, it is possible to have joy again in your life beyond the grief. I can guarantee you, Mary had joy again. She was, the Bible says she was one of those in the upper room, I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, Mary had joy again. She was surrounded by believers. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. She was part of those in the upper room, it looks like, from the scriptures. She had joy in her life again, waiting to be reunited with Jesus. And you can have joy too. And it's not in spite of your child's death, but it's because of his or her life. So I just want to share a bit about the Reflections of Hope book that I just read from. This is a hardback book of daily readings for bereaved parents. Each day's entry ends with a reflection and an appropriate scripture. Most of us have a hard time keeping up with any kind of daily reading. If you're like me, if I had some sort of a devotional book, even before Becca died, it was like I'd miss a day or two here or there. And then if I missed two or three days or four or five or a week, it was kind of, I felt like I was so far behind because I would always feel like I had to catch up and read what I missed. And I don't want you to do that with this book, with Reflections of Hope. If you miss a day or two or a week or a month, don't even think about trying to back up and try to catch up. You don't have to read it every day. When you need some hope or encouragement, just pick it up and read the day you're on. You may read it faithfully for six weeks and then you miss six weeks or you miss three days. Just pick it up and read the day that you're on and get that nugget for that day. If you want to know more about this book, Reflections of Hope, you can go to gpshope.org books and then click on the book Reflections of Hope there. It can be purchased on Amazon or anywhere books are sold, and I will put a link to it on Amazon in the show notes. You might want to consider getting it for starting it in 2024. It would be a good way to start out your year. Maybe you could get it for yourself as a Christmas gift, or maybe you can let someone else know that you would like that as a gift. I know it's getting really close to Christmas, but as long as you have it in your hands at some point, right, it would be a great gift, and especially... You had people who said, if there's anything you need, let me know, right? When your child died, think of one of those people and let them know. Tell them, I need this book. Would you please get it for me? You said, if I needed something to let you know, and I need this book. Okay, go for it. And then here, I just want to say, for those of you who do have the book, Reflections of Hope, we really could use some more reviews on Amazon. So would you please go there? or wherever you purchase the book and put a review on there. Because as you know, reviews help others in their decisions. And the more reviews there are, 
the more someone is apt to purchase it. If it looks like there's barely any reviews, it looks like nobody's reading this book, nobody really likes this book, I think I'll pass on it and go on to something else. So if this book has helped you at all, please go to Amazon or wherever you got the book and leave a review so that others will be encouraged to get it and be able to glean from this book as well. I will put a link in the show notes that you can click on that will take you directly to where you can write a review on Amazon to make it easy for you. And I just want to say thank you for doing that. Let's go ahead to this week's birthday segment. Brian was born on December 17th and is forever 26. Bobby Joe Odell was born on December 18th and is forever 44. Luke Getchell was born on December 19th and is forever 14. Carissa Perkins was born on December 21st and is forever 29. We celebrate the day these children came into the world as a blessing to their families. We know it will always be a special and an important day. If you would like to have your child's birthday announced, I would love to be able to do that for you. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org birthdays. Fill out the information there, submit it, and I will share with the other listeners your child's birthday the week of his or her birthday. Dave will also send you an email to remind you to listen that week. I know that Christmas can be one of the hardest times of the year for many of us, and it can be especially brutal for those who have a child who were either born or passed this time of year. Please know that I'm praying for you and that you have my heart. Be sure to pamper yourself these next few days. Take care of yourself, even if others around you don't understand. Take off. Don't do things if you just can't do them. Don't force yourself if it's just not in you and you don't have the bandwidth for it. You are the only one who knows what you can and can't handle right now. And it's okay. Those of us who have lost a child, we get it. And I just want to remind you to join me, if you can, Sunday night. Now that's going to be Christmas Eve for our last Advent time together. I'll be live on our GPS Hope YouTube channel and on our public GPS Hope Facebook page, 8 o'clock at night, Central Time, if at all possible. If you just need a little bit of you know, encouragement or whatever, feel free to join me. I'd love to have you with me. And as we do go through these next couple of weeks together, remember to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.